got a homebrew Pokemon RPG. We ran. It was so much fun. Okay. <laughs> and gotta talk about that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Geek Peak. Today, I'm talking with Zachary Tindall. He is a creator on Patreon who creates D&D maps for his patrons. This was an inspirational one. Zachary is a creator. He's also a GM. He has some amazing ideas about family and about uh, being a creator. And if you are a creator, I think you'll take a lot of value from this one. I certainly enjoyed talking to Zachary very, very much. Uh, so without further ado, enjoy the interview. Zachary Tindall, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you very much for, for inviting me on. I am so excited to talk to you. I have so many like uh, uh, questions about your creative process. You are uh, one of my inspirations uh, in terms of like uh, creating uh, uh, content and uh, doing things that you love. Uh, mm. uh, before I say anything, I do want you to introduce yourself for those uh, in my audience that don't know who you are. Uh, so Zachary, please tell us uh, uh, what you are creating and yeah. a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Zachary, uh, Zachary Tindall. I, uh, I make maps for RPG, uh, for, for virtual tabletops, but also they're, they're high enough quality and stuff. You can even make them for normal tabletops. Um, I, I, I do all kinds of stuff within the D&D and RPG communities. I have done art my entire life. Um, everything from normal drawing, painting, filmmaking, um, and now somehow map making. Oh, I'm not sure exactly how I got here, but it was a journey. <laughs> um, I do want to say thank you for you as well, because you actually were my first patron of anybody who I didn't know. And it was also day one of me launching my Patreon and the amount of happy dances that happened um, <laughs> from that, um, like, like, like since day one. So thank you very much. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> thank you. Um, okay, so you are creating maps, uh, and mm. this is such an amazing undertaking. Like I imagine making a map is a lot of work. Uh, yeah. But before I take you into like talking about how you even got into this, I do want to take you to your past. Mm. Uh, before you started creating content or maps or whatever you want to call it, art, uh, uh, who was Zachary before all of that began? Yeah, um, child Zachary got in trouble all the time for drawing. Um, if I, if I was listening to a teacher, I was drawing. If I was taking a test, I was also drawing on the test. If I was turning in, um, a report, I had doodles of whatever I was writing on for my report on there. Um, it's just always been a thing. Uh, I've later learned, this is the kind of thing, as an adult, I learned that it's actually a, um, a coping mechanism for me to be able to listen and process is for me to draw. And so all throughout, even into work and meetings and stuff like that, I would always be drawing and always be doodling because if I, if I could put a pen to paper, I could listen, but if I have to watch somebody, I will zone out and just daydream. Um, so from very, very early age, uh, you know, um, I, I, I've been drawing and doodling 
it's it's come and gone throughout the years, um, and it's taking different forms. Um, I I did a lot of just doodling and drawing, like mandala style stuff, um, since since I was a child, not even knowing what mandalas were, kind of making them, um, and that led to filmmaking and video making. A photography um, me very young having my own business that like you know <laughs> it worked it paid the bills it got me to little literally other countries and different parts of the world and allowed me to travel um, uh, but I learned a lot of valuable lessons about having your own business and follow-through and all that kind of stuff along the way um, yeah uh, so I've just kind of always dabbled in and around art of different kinds um, and even if I've left it for a bit, I've always come back. Okay, you mentioned something uh, about photography. Hmm. Uh, and that is something that I don't know about you. So are you like a professional <laughs> photographer? Uh, I mean, I I mean, I guess technically for a time you could have called me a professional photographer. Um, I, I made a living off of it, so yes. <laughs> um, I essentially, I turned my last semester of university in America into a year in Ireland um and doing film school and prior to that i had you know bought a dslr and started getting into like some some amateur filmmaking and you know vlogging and stuff like that and along came the photography part and then when i got to ireland i i mean i i needed to make money so i started doing headshots and all those kind of things uh, never ventured into like the whole like wedding type thing but i did travel photography i did some stuff for for different travel blogs and some travel companies um and just kind of did that hustle to kind of try to make it work you know um yeah so i, I did all kinds of like you know commercials and music videos for the video side of things while also doing photography um and i just use the same camera actually i, I have it right here my old camera boom there you go <laughs> um i just took Which it out so it's a Canon, uh, uh, it's a Rebel T3i, which is the American version of, I think, the 600D, I think. Um, so it, it's a good few years old at this point. Um, but look, it, it did the job, right? I was able, I was able to do professional work with it. Um, and I was able to kind of make up some of the, uh, the, the lack of features there with just general knowledge of skills and knowledge of, you know, um, framing and filming and audio and all that kind of stuff to, to add to it. So, so. You dabbled in photography, mm. and you also uh, uh, drawn all of your life. Uh, where do you meet Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, I was a teenager uh, when I first started Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I think I was twelve or thirteen. Um, you know, happened in the you know the high school or the middle school cafeteria. Um, you know, with some friends, and then in high school a little bit. And then I moved off to college, and it kind of dabbled here and there. But it wasn't just Dungeons and Dragons at that point. I did a few other systems uh, within the RPG community, and I've kind of come in and out of it for a, a good while. Um, you know, you'd have periods of time where you did a lot of it, and then nothing, and then periods of time where you did a lot of it, and then nothing. Um, and then while in New Zealand, I, uh, my now wife, and I had some friends who also moved to New Zealand just after us. We we had a. a a homebrew Pokemon RPG that we ran that was so much fun. Um, okay. <laughs> and gotta talk about th that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then that kind of sparked that interest again. And then 
um, it kind of dabbled a little bit here and there. And then actually it was just before the pandemic that my wife actually brought it up again. Um, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did that again? And I was like, yeah. And then it just, it like, you know, just full on since, you know, um, and I, I have a, a game that I've been running for over three years now. Um, same, same campaign and with, with a group of my friends. And then I, I have another game that I run every other week and I have a game that I've played in for good two and a half years now. So running, do you mean DMing? You are. Yeah. DMing. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Okay. <laughs> so before I talk about DMing, tell me a bit about the mashup of D&D and Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> How does that um, work? Dude, there was a lot of lessons learned in having to run NPCs, uh, you know, because Pokemon trainers all have a bunch of Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of quirkiness. I I, I've, I grew up on Pokemon, right? Like I remember um, I, I camped out of the mall before the first Pokemon game came out, you know? Uh, we were there at, like, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning uh, waiting for, for the game to come out. Um and so it's kind of always been a part of my life and so i really dived deep i made my own region had my own bad guys i made my own gems i did all that kind of stuff and just let my players have as much fun as they could you know um you know and so it was it was a lot of fun going into the deep lore you know the deep lore of pokemon um <laughs> of you know of like the shows and stuff that you wouldn't normally get even in a game and things like that and really bringing out kind of like like some of the mystical sides of it and i think that was the first time it's my first time as a dm um and it, it really allowed me to kind of just be cr- as creative as possible um you're, it's the whole thing is you know a pokemon universe it's all fantasy you know yes so I'm curious about how like battles work in in, yeah. in such a thing. Uh, like, how do you incorporate like the classic traditional Pokemon battle into a a D and D session? Yeah, so it was all theater of the mind at that point, um, and so I used which I, I now learned is, is using a few different systems of like short, medium, and long, long range. So you know you do actions that are closer and stuff. Um, and the battles at first took a long time because I, you know, I haven't really DM'd and you have, you know, uh, four or three, three, three players, all with Pokemon plus, you know, opposing Pokemon. And so, and I'm running all those. And so it was, it, it was a lot, but we ended up streamlining it, right? We ended up finding our own way, finding our own home, homebrews. Uh, you know, we talked communications key, right? What's working, what's not. Um, so, you know, I, you know, and so there's a lot of, uh, kind of like changing some things and, and making things work, but it was a lot of fun because we use like the kind of almost, you know, the D and D in general RPGs, you know, they have that kind of turn-based feel with turn orders and stuff like that. So it kind of kept the Pokemon feel of, you know, it's your turn, you use your move, that kind of thing. Um, and I just made sure I, I, I brought in the, the real world elements of, you know, three dimensions. Right, you know, elevations and uh, giant Pokemon, and you know, just kind of like weird things that were happening, and the mystical side of stuff. And we found our way through through communication, which I think is important for any D and D group. 
Um, but I think I learned that key, that was a key feature for us, right? Because we were all kind of finding our way through the Pokemon system that wasn't really, it was still like in like alpha beta testing at that point. So it was kind of us filling in the gaps as we went. <laughs> that is so cool. Like in my mind, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking like, well, Pokemon does have turns and uh, you could actually use sort of like minis uh, and and put them like on a battlefield, which yeah. could be a battlefield in like a D and D session. So yeah. there is like a lot of overlay, but I'm like, wow, <laughs> yeah. you could you could do a lot of things there, and like there there are two on two battles, mm-hmm. like. And, and you know, I I found in the beginning like having just one on one battles, which is what you typically do when you play Pokemon, wasn't quite as fun. Because you would have the other players just sitting around. So I incorporated a lot of just big battles. You know, the idea just, you know, like, you know, generally everybody would do it. Um, and also in, like, in the Pokemon anime, you have the Pokemon also, like, you know, stopping, you know, trucks or stopping, like, non-Pokemon stuff from happening. So I remember there was one time when there was a helicopter and they had to stop the helicopter from taking off. And so the helicopter had its own turn order. You know, and was trying to do stuff, and so it was like it was a fun kind of situation of you know like like I was able just to add in stuff that wasn't your normal things to the turn order, if you will, um, to kind of you know kind of bring that element out of it, um, which I think it was just fun. It was a thing that we just did once a week. Uh, we all lived together. Um, we had an amazing. We lived in New Zealand, and we we overlooked the Bay of Wellington. It was absolutely gorgeous view from sitting at the table playing. D and D or Pokemon, um, so it was great, you know. <laughs> they talked about like uh, how you uh, incorporated Pokemon and D and D, and I want to ask you about DMing. Uh, mm. You 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 mentioned that you DM this campaign, and uh, how did you start? Like, uh, did did you come into DMing, or was that something like that? Uh, uh, you felt you needed to do for for the group uh and also like who are some of your inspirations from the beginning as you started the end yeah um so i think at that point you know i had been it had been a good while a good few years since i had played any rpgs um and so but i did i, I had the most experience out of everybody um and so I just kind of, and, and I didn't mind it, right? I was happy to, to do it. Uh, so I kind of volunteered myself. Um, and yeah, I, ju- I just kind of ran with it, you know? I, I was happy, I you know, we all talked about it because uh, I think one of one of my, one of of my the, the group saw that there was a Pokemon RPG that was being made um, and I thought it was really cool. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do it, you know? <laughs> Hands up. Um, and yeah and i just i spent the time you know and just sat down and um i i thankfully realized things for example like you know like world building right i don't have to build up the whole world right now i just have to build up where they are and (laughs) you know and and i was able to kind of you know take that mentality from the beginning and just kind of jump in you know, and I and we did one-on-one sessions as well because we lived together. So kind of be like, okay, cool. You want to go off and do your own thing? Cool. Let's do a one-on-one session. And we'd like hide in one of the other rooms while, while, while you know, my, my, my wife and, and our flatmate was like, what are they doing? What, oh, what are they playing? Oh, let's listen in. What's happening? <laughs> and we were like, you can't come in. Um, and uh, 
it, it, we just had fun with it. You know, like I, we didn't take it too seriously. And I, th- I think that was the, the main thing is that we, you know, we used it for fun. Um, and, and I was happy, I was happy to take that, that kind of quote unquote leadership role, I guess, of, of a DM. Um, I didn't really view it as too much responsibility. Uh, I viewed it as just somebody in the group had to do it. I was happy to do it. So why not me? Um, I enjoy being that person. Um, I think I get as much, if not more, enjoyment from being a DM than I do as a player. Um, and yeah, I was happy to do it. Would you say that uh, there are skills that you learned from DMing this campaign? Yeah, loads. Um, one thing that I learned was the importance of communication. Uh, I think it was the, one of the most important things um, because. In particular, the rules weren't done yet fully and everything was kind of like, you know, make things, fill in the gaps as you go. Um, you know, don't throw things at your players if you haven't talked about it beforehand. You know, I had a really cool idea for like, for, for, for filling in the gaps for like a catching mechanic. And I threw it in the middle of a session. It didn't end well. Um, <laughs> you know, not because he rolled a natural 20. And you know, a natural 20, you're like, oh, yeah, it's a success. And I was like, oh, but I had this new system. And they're like, what? And then, yeah, so communication would have really helped in that situation. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was one of the main things I learned. Um, and I think it was helped with the fact that it was a lot of filling in the gaps of, of, of a system that was being made at the time. You know, I was in the forums of the system, putting in what I was doing, and it was helping shape even the, 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 the final rules of the book, you know, of, of the system. Um, and I think the communication was, was the key thing. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I, I, I'm always about communication inside the game, outside the game. Um, and I think that as a DM, it's my job to be as clear as I can be uh, and to allow the players to, the ability to feel that they, they, they have their own input into the game and feel that they have the ability to make the story theirs. Um, and, and I think communication does that, you know? Okay. That's cool. Now, uh, after like we, we talked about DMing, we talked about like, uh, uh world building and all that, uh, Talk me through how uh, this little part of your life leads you into map making. Yeah, I so I was getting so it was, it was just before my, my my daughter was born. She's four now. Um, that I realized it was when we were expecting her um, that I, I needed art back in my life because I'd gone a period of time without it. Um, and I realized as well that, you know, if I'm going to have a kid and I want them to get to follow their dreams, I want them to be able to do the things that they enjoy, to be able to, you know, have passions that they actually do not wish they had done, that I needed to do it. You know? My heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like, I, I realized that I had to be the example, right? Um, if, I, if, I want, if I want my kids to, to live that kind of life. Of, of happiness and enjoyment of those things, I needed to be able to enjoy it and live it myself. And so I hadn't drawn in years, and I just started drawing for Inktober. I'm not sure if you know what that is. It's like a, a yearly thing for October. Inktober, yeah, it, it's okay. a thing where it's like you draw every day uh, for the month of October. Um, I just I just started. It was like three days before. I just like cool. I'm doing it. You know, I'm just doing draw every day, and then that continued and. 
I, I, I just kept going, you kept drawing. I, then I was like, cool, I want to get back into coloring, you know, so whether it's pencils or markers or like watercolor, I want to kind of get back into that or acrylics. So I just started doing it. Um, and it was, it was just like just one step at a time. And I just kept getting back into it into different ways. And then when I was, I was, um, when I started DMing the, for, for the group, the, the, that, that I DMed now that's been going for over three years now, I, I, I needed some maps, right? <laughs> um, and I wasn't gonna be able to find exactly what I wanted anywhere because it was a weird location. So I made it myself. Um, it was crude. It, it was it was simple, but but it was good, you know. And I was I was it was functional. Um, and then I yeah, and then that continued. And then I was still doing the art, but like I found this is the first time I also ever did anything digitally. I never did anything digital before that. It was always traditional materials, practical, and so it, it was like a new skill for me. Right? It's like, oh, this is cool. Uh, this is new, and I, I get to learn something new and do something new. Um, but there was, there was that moment of like, oh, it doesn't like, you know, if I draw something on paper, I, I know my hand will do it, but on the computer, it doesn't. And it's easy to see that as like you know, demoralizing or. Or a negative, but I, I see that as a challenge. I'm like, yes, I can learn this. I can do it. I can make what's up here on paper. But I, if I just put practice into it, I can also put it on onto the computer. Um, and so, so I started doing that more. And then I took a chance, right? Just a real off chance. Um, there was a few YouTubers who put out a call for map makers, and I had only made a few maps. I think I made like four or five, six maps in total. Um, and I, and I messaged them, I'm like, Hey, look, here's the maps I've made. Are you interested? And they said, sure, we'll give you a go. That was it. You know, <laughs> if I didn't ask, I didn't get right. You know, so, uh, and, and again, they, they, they asked me to use a different program than I, than I was using. So I, so I was like, cool. So I, I bought that program and I had no idea how to use the program because it was fairly different, but similar enough. Right. And again, I just learned it, right? It just did it. I just sat down at the computer and I did it and I powered through it. And you get those feelings of like, I can't do this or this isn't what I wanted to be. But you just know that with time, it will be. And th this one doesn't have to be perfect because this next one will be better. And and so I kind of, yeah, it was just that, that, that going from the traditional art, getting back into that. And then I think that gave me the confidence to be able to do it digitally and then that that just kind of th throw it out there and see what sticks the mentality of you know hey look you need maps i can make maps here's what i've made you know i'm not going to oversell myself Here, here's here's what i can do um so yeah and then and then and then i've just not stopped <laughs> there is something like I love that we we describe this in like this sort of like I did this and I I didn't stop and 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 I made it. But I want to ask you, uh, what was your low points? Um, mm. uh, this is like this is not easy. Learning a skill, doing these things. Where did you find yourself, like, was the lowest point, and how did you overcome it? 
Um, the lowest point in kind of like making maps, you think? In, in, in like the journey of, of like learning a new skill, like doing yeah. this thing uh, from yeah, scratch. I, yeah, I, you know, I, I think anything that you do is affected by everything else in your life, right? Um, and, and I think, you know, there will always be forces in, in your life that will try to keep you from succeeding and try to keep you down. And I think the important thing is to try to overcome those things. And I think for me, I mean, I, I, mean, I and like, I'm happy to talk about mental health and everything. I, um, it was, it was midway through the pandemic, not even midway, like maybe a year through the pandemic, um, full, just mental health kind of breakdown. Right. Um, I, I, I had to quit my job, um, and the wife and I swapped, you know, and so I, you know, so it's like, right, you know, I, I can't, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and I was at a point where I was having to deal with a lot of mental stuff from way back from childhood and all the way up to now, um, while also trying to be productive, while also having a one-year-old, uh, <laughs> also trying to work, also with the stress of everything that was going on in the world. And that was a point of in this particular process where i was like i just wanted to walk away right and um and i hadn't quite gotten to the level of skill uh with you know making the maps that i knew i could um and it was frustrating and on top of everything else i just wanted to quit right but i also just kind of wanted to quit everything and i recognized that i was able to recognize that like it isn't just this one thing because everything in life contributes. And so I, I, I did, I, I, I forget the name. Is it, uh, it's behavior activation or something along those lines where you just make yourself sit down and do something. Um, and then you let the motivation find you um, instead of you trying to find the motivation. Um, and it's, it, it, and, and that's what I ended up doing. I ended up, and this is something that, that I did with drawing and painting and stuff as well. When, like, look, I don't have to sit down for hours. Just sit down for 10 minutes. Put a timer on your phone. Sit down for 10 minutes. And when that timer goes off, you can leave. You know, 10 minutes every day. That's all you need. And then what, what ends up happening is you end up staying there for two, three hours. Um, because then you're there and you're in it. And you don't want to go away because now you're doing something. And so I, I had that time where, I mean, I had to choose to leave a job i had because of mental health i had to completely reevaluate everything that was structurally done with my family you know and so you know i had to then you know i went from not seeing my my daughter because of work uh to being in charge of my daughter <laughs> and and also still processing everything and, and doing everything all all at once and I was able to somehow, and, and I think it's just, it, again, it's that just sit down for 10 minutes. You can leave after 10 minutes. That, 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 that knowing that you have that permission to stop um, helped and allowed me to sit down and then continue. Sit down and continue. And, and you know, and, 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 you know and, and even if it wasn't map making, if it was just drawing, if I just sit down and just do something, just create something, something small, something little, Put one word on a page, it doesn't matter. It's just sit down and do something. And that kept me going. You know, that 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 
and it sounds silly when you think about it, but that little, like, you know, 10 minutes in a night of doing it and then that leading to something more and then allowing me to accomplish and make something, whether it was a drawing or a painting or a map or even doing some writing, that in that really dark time still gave me those little snippets of like accomplishments, of success, of being able to do things, which then allowed me to move forward faster. I'm not sure if that answers your question for it, but it, like it does. It does. <laughs> and and I I love that you like you took this uh uh like time in your life and you uh risen from it in such an inspiring way. Like it's like uh, uh, going up the staircase, like one mm. step at a time. Yeah. Uh, and I love this. And also, like to to rise up from there even further. Uh, I like when I first uh, uh, interacted with you. I discovered that you have a Patreon, mm. and we also have like fan questions from your Patreon. Uh, but talk to me a little about how your journey leads you into Patreon. What was behind the decision to open a Patreon and start uh, a private community? Yeah, I... This is one of the first things that I've done that I've enjoyed that I also believe in myself. Um, and so I knew there was more there. I knew there was more that I could do. And I knew the quality, I was getting to a point where I was starting to be very proud of the maps I was making. Um, and I knew I was getting to the point where I, 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 I was looking at, I, was, I, I wasn't looking at my maps anymore thinking, oh, this could be better. I was thinking of my maps going, this is good. And it was at that point where I was like, okay, again, put it into the world and try to manifest it yourself, right? Um, if you don't start doing something, you don't get anything. And so I was so I was like, right, okay. So I, I, I set a six month window. I'm like, cool, in six months' time it starts. And this was during the time when things were the worst for me. You know? And so this was like so I was able to at the time when like you know, my mental health and everything was was, was quite bad, say, okay, six months from now, I'm doing this. And I set a goal and it was a very realistic goal, you know, in six months, I want, you know, two months worth of maps done. It's not that hard, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, if I can do three, I'm happy with that. And, um, and so it allowed me to kind of prepare that and, and get that done. But I, but it also gave me some purpose and, and, I, and because I knew where I was and I knew where I could go and I was getting to that point and I knew that what I could do could have value for people. And I knew that, you know, it, the, the, it could get me to that point that, you know, where I want to be with it. And it also is something that I can do um, on the side for now. And I can, you know, because my, my, my main priority right now are my two kids. You know, I'm with my two kids during the day and in the evenings and on weekends, I work. So, you know, my day starts quite early in the morning and it stops at one or two o'clock in, in the morning. You know, so um, I have very long days, uh, but it, but it'll get there. You know, because right now my 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 family is my priority, and 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 you know I'm lucky that I have a very supportive wife and family, and and I'm able to to, to do it. And so I went into that. I went into the idea of making it a Patreon, making it something that you know I can build a community with. Um, 
with the idea that you know this is a, a two to three year build up. You know, this isn't a six month turnaround time. This is something that I that, that that will be two three years in the making, and then when the kids are older and they're in school, then I can devote, devote even more time to. And it, I think that 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 helped me with the mentality of like let's let's get this done right Let, let's do this um because it gave me a goal it gave me something to do it gave me something to look forward to um and i yeah and, and you know it's it's slow and that's fine because i have that mentality i have the mentality of this isn't going to be a i get rich in two months because i've you know <laughs> uh kind of thing um so this is a kind of thing that like I, I can build and I can grow and I can help other people along the way. And um, as, as, as I, as I get there, you know, hopefully there's a community that, that, that enjoys what I do and we can do it together. And um, yeah, and I hope to, to add more and more to, to what I can provide because I know that I can give more. Um, but, but for now it's, you know, it's a way for me to do something that I'm proud of which is something nice to say um, and something that can help other people, uh, which is again, something nice to say. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed it so far. Okay. So with that high note, let's move to some fan questions. Go for it. And, okay. So the first question uh, we have here is from Ralph and Ralph asks, how do you tackle verticality with your maps and does it factor into when you sit down and design a new map? Definitely, yeah. I, um, I as a DM and as a player, I'm always thinking three dimensions, right? As a player, I'm like, how, how tall are these things? Are, is there a second floor? Is there, I, you know, and DMs who, who have me as a player have to think about that stuff and realize that, you know, yeah, I, I am happy to climb up to the second floor and jump off and do things. And, you know, like I want to use the, the environment. Um, and that goes into my DM styles as well. Like I, you know, I, I have no problem giving enemies and stuff the high ground and making things more difficult because of terrain and, and, and different kind of environments. And so when I make a map, I think of it that way. I think of it, if I'm a player, if I'm a DM, what can I do to help both? Right, you know, is can I do something on this map that will allow a DM to to do something unique, do something cool, uh, surprise their players, hide some enemies, and as a player, will they be able to use my map in a way that can do fun stuff, in a way that can be they can get an advantage, or they or they can get the surprise, or they can do something. And so I, when I make the maps for the ver the verticality of things, and even just the environments and the different kind of you know, ground, water, all those kind of things, I try to put those in with both of them in mind. Do you envision like the potential stories that could happen on a map that you design? I do, yeah. I, I, and I, when I'm making a map, I, 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 I start thinking about what could happen on the map. I start thinking um, where people could go, what people could use, um, and, and the fun things that could happen on the map, for sure. Um, and I think the, 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 I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. And, I think even, for example, a map that, that I, I made for, for next month, for it's a port, right? And there's a ship and there's stuff like that. And But I put interiors to the buildings because I'm like, cool. Like, yeah, this could be used for a shopping thing, but it could be used for a lot more. You know, I put forks and knives on the plates for a reason because 
Sure, as a player, if you want to, you know, impromptu weapon, right? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I put little like like I put little gems around the place, uh, little details, little fun things, right? Um, like there's a cat sleeping on the canopy or something, um, and so you know, sure, a player could try to speak with animals and try to talk to the cat or learn something. Um, uh, you know, or DM could use that cat for nefarious reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so yeah i, I always I, I try to like put things into the map and, I, and, I, and i'm always kind of thinking about that kind of stuff as i do it um and i i think that that brings a lot of enjoyment for me for sure to be able to like think about that as, as i make the maps let's go to the next question and that question is from connor uh connor asks what creator would you most like to make maps for oh i mean like you know, obviously you have like the Matt Covilles of the world and <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Um, I would love to be able to see my maps printed out, um, used for different you know tabletops, um, uh, like streams and stuff like that. Uh, which you know, um, I do plan on in the process of, of getting information of, of ways to print my maps and stuff like that. Um, I think I, I'm old school that I, I prefer like a flat map to like built terrain. I think built terrain looks cool, but I like, you know, you know, grid and paper, you know, kind of style and maps that are flat like that. So there's a, there's a few, definitely a few there um, that, 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 that I like, but I mean, as far as like a company or a person, I mean, look, you know, um, like, like Matt Coville, stuff like that, like, I, I loved it. Right? That'd, that'd be insane. They'd be like, I made it. You know, and, 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 you know, and I have, I've made maps for, uh, Mr. Rex on YouTube. Um, so I've made maps for his Kickstarter I, and, and he has, uh, um, some stuff there for sale, um, for me, uh, dungeon coach, DM layer, stuff like that. So on the Patreons, I've made stuff for them. Um, and I was, yeah. And like, it, it's really nice to have worked with them and, 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 and kind of have that. But I think for me, it's going to sound super cheesy and I don't mean it to be like a plug, um, I think I, I get more enjoyment for making maps out of, you know, patrons and stuff. Um, I've been talking to a few patrons about things that, that, that they would like in maps. And so, you know, the, the, the next round of maps I'm working on right now are uh, two maps that are going to be that the patrons said that they would find useful for their own campaigns. Um, and the idea that, you know, they would use it. I'm like, oh, so cool. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, and Connor has another question, uh, and that question is, what would you consider the most difficult part of map making? Uh, time. Honestly, time. Okay. Time. Um, uh, I, I, you know, there's always the 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 the, the adage of you know, it, uh, it, you know, uh, what is it? Um, it needs to be done, not perfect. Right, so because I could yes. always keep doing more and more and more, but you know, the, 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 at some point, you know, the, you, you have you know the sunken cost of time put in there, but also, like when I make maps, I make them extremely detailed, and because I make them how I like them, um, could I make them less detailed? Sure. Are the people who are far more successful for me that have far less detail? Sure. But I've always, for my art and what I do, I'm always very detailed. Oriented. It's just kind of, it's my nature. And so a single map could take 60 to 90 hours, you know, 
Um, and you know, again, I, you know, I do evenings and weekends. <laughs> so time, <laughs> uh, is, is kind of the, the, the main thing for me. Um, but, uh, the rest of it, I, I enjoy because I get to watch things and listen to audiobooks and watch streams and podcasts and stuff as I, um, as I work, which is lovely. Okay. Uh, that's amazing. That's so cool. Uh, okay, the next question comes from, uh, from comes from Craig, uh, and Craig asks, "What is your dream map, and what excites you when making it?" Mm, my dream map. That's really interesting. Um, I've spent three and a half years in a nautical campaign with my players, and there's a lot of things on there that I love to to to, to do. And I think for me. There's a lot of kind of fantastical locations that I, I want to visit, right? I want to do more like dragon hordes and, you know, uh, kind of like hellish kind of lavas and, you know, all those kind of like very like over the top fantastical places. Um, but if I had like a dream map, that's, that's really interesting. Probably something with the astral sea and space because I love space. And, you know, that's just a, the perfect marriage of like, you know, pirates in space. Um, so I say definitely doing more space type maps, uh, which I, ha which I haven't done because it's, it's very niche. Um, and so I haven't really ventured too much into that. So when I do, I'm going to, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's And it's going to be weird and quirky. Um, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> you need to tell me when that happens. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, the next question is from Ramona O'Regan. I hope I didn't butcher yep. uh, your name, Ramona. Uh, do you start with the general landscape or all of the key features first? Yeah, I I think this is a holdover from from drawing and painting. I do very big blocked out spaces. Um, so my maps start with just random rectangles and squares and circles. Um, and so I can visually, because if I can visually see the spaces, then I can start to understand what goes in it. Um, same kind of thing if I'm drawing a body, right? The first thing I'm going to do, just circles and heads and, you know, get, get the general, like, outline, you know? And so the first thing I start with is the, the over, overview shapes. Um, and then from there, I'll have like a theme, right? So it might be like, you know, uh, a church or whatever. And... I just start playing with shapes and then eventually something clicks and I'm like, I like that. And now the final product might be different, but that gets me going. That gets me going to that direction. Uh, the next question is from Matilda. And Matilda asks, when it comes to traps and secret doors, is it worth putting them into a map and worry about metagaming? Or does it matter if you trust your players? It's a very good question. Something that I've often wondered myself. I try to do a little bit of both. I try to add parts of the map that only the DM will see, and, and but make it in such a way that it's not obvious to the players. So I might have a corridor, and on one side of the corridor, you might have like you know like, like um, spikes or something going down, but it's outside of the wall. So that when you're on the VTT, or, so, or you know, even in person, that part's not uh, shown, right? So, so you can only see the part that they're in, and you know, like for you know, it's, it's just a room or just a corridor, or just a hallway for the players. 
but the DM can see the rest. So I try to kind of find a balance there. Um, and I also just trust that a DM can just add whatever they want to the map, right? Um, so at any point of the map, something could be there that's not there. Um, so I, I try to add it so that way for those who might be as comfortable tweaking and changing and adding, it's there. Um, but then also for those who are comfortable doing that, they can just add and do whatever they want because there's enough space and areas on the map. That's very cool. You're, you're like giving uh, the DM a playground of stuff, yeah. that, uh, of potential stuff that they can do. Yeah. And also a tip for, for, for anyone watching, uh, for as a DM or as a player, um, what you see on a map is not everything that's there. So don't feel that if you don't see something, you can't do it, or if you you know, or, or you can't pretend like it's not there, right? So if you walk into a room and you say, right, okay, here's a here's an inn, you know, but is there a very specific you know thing that's on on counter on the table, even though it's not on the map? Sure, yeah, it's it's there on the counter, you know. Um, so even if you're using like any maps, um, it can kind of go in with the last questions, you know, you you can still make it your own. As a DM and as a player. So. Next question is from Rufus, and Rufus asks: When it comes to specific monster encounter maps, how tactical should you make the map? Should bandit camps be surrounded by traps, or forts be super defensive with lots of archer points? Yeah, I think um, a lot of that goes in the type of campaign that you're running as a DM. And, and for players, right? You know, the kind of um, every group is going to be different. Every group is going to play differently. And so, um, when you look at a map, um, you know, for traps and stuff, you can always add them, right? If they're not there, and I think you know, as a as a DM, uh, you have that option to make it more or less dangerous at any point. Um, you know, and I think you know your players, you know the campaign you're running, you know the kind of style that you run. Um, and so I think you can always add it. Um, and as far as like forts and stuff like that, look, I, there, there, there's, there's obviously the, the stereotypical bandits in a, uh, in a forest, you know, there, there's two tents and a fire and stuff, but I, but I like the idea that, you know, in, in the real world, there'd be a little bit more of an account, right? You'd have more defenses, you know, the, 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 the NPCs in the world, they want to live and they want to do things that are smart. Um, so me personally, I run, I run things that way. Um, I run things more, more, a little bit more realistically, you know, everyone wants to live, everyone wants to, um, survive. Um, everyone has generally seen most of the tactics that a player can throw at you because this is a world that has dragons and trolls and bandits and heroic adventurers. Um, and so, you know, if you're in a, a cave or a fort, they're going to have, you know, plans for people trying to sneak around um you know you know you might have one druid in your can in your party who can turn into a spider but like realistically they you know they would know of people who can turn into spiders um so there'd be defenses <laughs> um and so i try i try to play things as realistic as possible that way um you know and and to kind of you know keep things honest i guess okay the next question is from Nerfman, uh, cool name, Nerfman. I love mm -hmm. that. Uh, how much forethought do you put for certain characters and abilities when designing your maps? For example, flying for climbing speeds or spells. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think 
I don't do very specific character, you know, like, you know, a fighter or barbarian you know, or those kind of style um, kind of thoughts. But I do try to take into consideration play styles, I guess. And, you know, in, in different characters, different classes and stuff would have different play styles. Because um, I think there's too many things when you play D&D that, that could happen. Um, you can't really plan for everything. And so I try to make the maps in such a way that allows for the freedom for people to have shenanigans um because i don't want to take away shenanigans because shenanigans are fun um but i also um don't want i I try try to make things not as easy to just completely cheese i guess right um so when i plan out hallways or i plan out um kind of the layouts of stuff i do try to make it a little bit uh um easier i guess to 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 to, to play in and to dm in. so i try to make areas of the maps um that can be interacted with in different ways so some areas of the maps might be be interacted with um and somebody who's more dexterous somebody who is more strong somebody who might be able to magically fly to get an advantage and so while i don't take them into account very specifically like this ability that ability i try to use um a varied style and varied like, kind of environments that can allow for the different classes and different abilities and different magics to be able to be useful and impactful next question comes fr- uh comes to us from terry uh, and terry asks any plans for a mega dungeon map what would that pro-, pro what would that process look like from a start to finish points yeah i have very grandiose ideas for not only a mega dungeon but also a mega city um and it's the kind of thing that uh wouldn't be able to be done all at one time right um and i have and and again this is based on the campaign that i've been running for years um i know exactly the location that it would be perfect for right um and I want to build that. I want to build uh, what would be like kind of in my world that could be ported to anybody else's game. Um, it would be multi layers. Like if I were to make a mega dungeon, you're talking 15, 18 levels easy. Um, each level probably having multiple maps, you know, two, three maps each level. And so what it would probably end up being would be a multi year project of me you know, making dungeons that happen to fit together, but also work separately. Um, So that, you know, throughout the months, you might be getting one dungeon here, one dungeon there, one dungeon here, one dungeon there. And then towards the end, all of a sudden, they all start clicking into place. Um, And like, I even started doing that with with my next month's maps. Uh, The port that I made, um, same style, same type of assets for an older port that I made. So you can actually use them together um, and they, they can be a continuation or use them separately and it's perfectly fine. Um, and, you know, it happens to be uh, one of the ports of an area in my world that I have in my mind. Um, so I'm kind of building up my own world. Um, long, long-term plan, have ideas of turning, you know, my homebrew world into some kind of sellable thing possibly maybe but like that's a who knows how many years down the line it's it's, it's not a thing that i'm looking to do right now you know um but this is my way of kind of getting into that um 
eventually when if if that does happen or when we'll, we'll manifest it now or you and i uh, when, when that, that when that happens <laughs> um i will have maps of like full maps of areas done you know that can be put together um and uh, so yeah so like I, you know, I think mega cities mega dungeons totally something i want to do um but if i do it i want to do it right and i want to make sure that they're, they're big and that they're, they're they're really impressive and uh, the quality that, that i want them to be which again takes time <laughs> that's so so cool i love it uh okay the next question comes uh comes to us from darren scannell i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly uh how do you deal with a creative block um, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I think creative blocks uh, comes to everybody. Um, and it doesn't even have to be creative. You can just have blocks for absolutely anything in your life. And I think, you know, those blocks come because all of our life is connected to past, present, and future. And I think it all affects us where we are right now. And I think at any point we can have a block. There's something that inside our heads that tells us no, tells us don't do it, tells us you don't want to do that. And I think the number one way you can do it is just to set a small time and give yourself the permission to stop and sit down just for a small time and do something. It can be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes, but just a small little bit, sit down and do it. And you know that if you want to stop in five minutes, you can stop in five minutes, you can walk away and go do something else. But at least you did it for five minutes. And that's how, that's how I've always kind of gotten out of any kind of block. Um, because every single time I sit down for five minutes or sit down for 10 minutes and my alarm goes off on my phone, I'm like, nope, you can go away right now. I'm continuing. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that that's the best way to do it. Uh, but there are times when the alarm goes off and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, we're done. This isn't going to work tonight. And also don't beat yourself over that. You know, don't, don't beat yourself up about that because some days you just, it's okay not to. Some days you just, you, you need to not do something. And that's okay. Amazing. Uh, we have another question from Darren. That question is, is it easier to get a requested map or just do, or just use your own creative process? Um, I think if the request is specific, it's easier for that. Um, because I don't have to think about it. Um, if it is general, it's harder. Because then I'm worried about whether or not I'm making something that somebody is wanting or asking for. Um, and a perfect example of this, I, I messaged a few patrons there, um, and I said, right, I'm going to, you know, for, for, for the next month, um, you know, I give you the opportunity. Is there something that, you know, you would want? And one person said, I need a church map for an upcoming fight. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, and then not really time sensitive because they're not really there yet, but you know, he knows it's going to come up. I'm like, cool. What kind of church? And I started asking leading questions, you know? Who's in charge? What kind of rooms? What do you need room for? What could the players be getting into? And they gave me a list of things that they're going to need in their campaign. And then boom, I, I can, I've already started running with that. Not a bother. Um, but if you just say, give me a church, I worry that I might make a map that isn't, doesn't match the function. Um, and, but if it, but if it's something for me, I have no bother with that. I can sit down and just go right. And cause that's what I I'm used to doing. Uh, when I draw, when I paint or whatever, most of the time I sit down and I have a blank sheet of paper and you just put a mark on the page and just see what comes from it. And, and I use that same mentality for, for map making. So 
like uh, when someone asks something, you uh, you might not see the vision that they have in their own mind, and uh, and that's why you need to actually ask those leading questions. Uh, that's so good. Um, okay, now the next the next question is from Cody W. Uh, what has been your favorite or most rewarding creative challenge in your cartography cartography career thus far? Yeah, I most rewarding. I made a map for my players. It's an nautical campaign. It's a ship that they're on. And I was quite happy with it. Um, it was super detailed in the very beginning of me making maps. And I was, I was very happy with it, right? But as I started getting better and better at making maps, um, it, it wasn't hitting the mark. Every time I logged into Roll20 and, you know, they were on it. And so I made it. I made, it was actually my first month, I think, for Patreon. I made their map again. And I made it full detailed, full everything. And they didn't know about it. And when they logged in and they saw the new map, it was like, oh, and it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a wonderful moment for me to reward the players for all of their hard work that they've done um, in a really fun, unique way that I could do that for them. Um, and I think, I think that that was the best time for sure, hundred uh, percent. Being able to to, to to upgrade something for them um, using the skills that I've learned and making them happy. That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> uh, okay, the next question is from Orla. Uh, Orla asks, how do you find motivation to be creative when you don't feel creative? Yeah, I, I think the idea that we need to be, we need to feel creative to create something um, is, I don't think that's right. I think we have to find our own motivation. I think we have to find our own creativity. Um, I think if you sit around waiting for, for, for the creative impulses to happen, you're going to be sitting around thinking about all those times you didn't do something. Uh, whereas if you go chasing it, you're going to find it. And that might mean a walk in the woods or a walk with a dog, or it might mean going somewhere to get, get some you know thoughts flowing. It might mean sitting down with a piece of paper. It might mean sitting down with whatever it is that you are wanting to do for creativity that you don't have the motivation for. Find a way to do it. Read a book, um, play a video game, do something that sparks your mind, something that's not, um, I guess something that's active, something that, that makes you think, makes you make decisions or makes you think about something. Um, and then just do it, you know, just sit down and just do something. It doesn't have to be, and, and the thing is, it doesn't have to be the thing that you even want to do, right? You know, it could be something completely different. Just sit down and do something, you know, use your hands, use your mind. And the motivation will, will come to you. You know, if you, if you seek out your creativity, if you seek out the motivation, you will find it. Um, if you wait for it, it'll go find somebody else who's looking for it. I, I love that this is turning into a TED talk. <laughs> I love this. Uh, okay, so Orla has another question, and that and that question is: uh, Is there anything in your maps that is influenced by the games you run, or a reoccurring Easter egg? I put little animals in like every single map. 
Um, like, like, like in some maps, you you'd be hard pressed to find because they are like little mice in like the shadows, and they're only barely visible. Um, I put little tiny things like that all over the place. Um, and I find it fun. Uh, I find it uh, find it really kind of rewarding to, to add the, but it also adds a little bit of life to things, right? If you notice the tiny little rats or mice in the corner, and there's like a little piece of cheese, you're like, oh. That's funny, um, <laughs> um, and, and and yeah, you know, and, and you know, I am guilty of you know I make maps that I can use in my own games, right? And yeah. you know, and 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 D and D and RPGs, if any RPG, um, what I can use in my own games, other people can use in their games too. So you know, I I I, I, I will often make maps that are designed for what I'm going through in my own games, um, and. The benefit of that is that other people can still use them and get benefit just like I did. Okay. So. Uh, the, the next question, the next and final fan question is from Rory. Uh, and Rory asks, what is your favorite or least favorite map and why? Mm. Um, so my favorite map, and, and, and this is going to be kind of a, um, a, a weird one um, is probably my first map that I made um, because I actually did it. I sat down and I made it, um, and it it's it's a it's a it's a little town um, that the players were being attacked by frogs and you know being mind controlled and it was really quirky and fun. Um, it it wasn't great, you know, it wasn't a great map. Um, but it was the first time I sat down and I did it, right? And I, and I made it myself, and I was able to do it. Um, that's it's I mean, your first. My first, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, and, and and you know, like if, if you think favorite of like quality wise and stuff like that, that 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 shifts every single time I make a new map. Essentially, every 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 time I make a new map, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite. And the next one comes up, this is my favorite. Um, <laughs> but, um, but like for, 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 from sentimental reasons, um, you know, it's that map, you know, it, it was that adventure that's, you know, um, my, my, my campaigns, uh, group are called the Toad Lickers because they were toad fighting lickers. the Toad Lickers because they were fighting <laughs> like, you know, some, some frogs and one of them licked it and then became, um, possessed by the by the frog, and so they became the toad lickers. And for three years, they have been known as the toad lickers. Um, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you know, uh, I, I, you know, anytime, anytime, anytime I'm, I'm like I'm scrolling through my my my, my files and stuff. Um, that file is called the toad lickers, you know, and it makes me smile and laugh every single time. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Uh, okay. Uh, and also, uh, uh, do you have a, a least favorite one? Least favorite one? Um, that's a really interesting question. I don't think there is a least. Like, I, I don't think I, I don't view any of the maps that I've made negatively. I guess uh, is a way to say it. You know, like, like I even before before we were having our chat today, I was going back looking at some of my old maps, and I'm looking at them being like, oh, those are those are rough, right? You know, those are not the same quality that I would make now and I was submitting that for other people to use and you know and things like that but I don't look at that negatively right because I had to make that map to get to where I am now 
Um, you know, it was it was all a stepping stone. So I don't really have a least favorite in, in terms of something being negative. Um, and, and you know, I, I so far I haven't found anything that I don't like making either. So every, everything that I've been doing so far, I've, I've really enjoyed. These were all the fake questions. Uh, and before I uh, uh, ask you one final question that I have for you, I want you to tell everyone who is uh, listening or watching this where they can find you online and uh, what is one thing uh, that you want them to see? Yeah, so Instagram and Patreon are kind of my main two ones that I use. Um, uh, branching into other things, but those are the main two. Instagram is Tyndall Doodles um, and the T-Y-N-D-A-L-L uh, Doodles for those who are listening. Um, and then the Patreon is TD Maps, so it's Tyndall Doodle Maps. Um, and uh, the, the, those are places that, that, that you can... Um, that, that you can go to uh and look if you go on my instagram you can see you can see examples of maps and stuff like that but have a look at this thing and for those on the podcast you have to go and look for it um it's it's a it's a watercolor painting that i did not too long ago for a legend of zelda character i really enjoy it and it's probably one of my more favorite watercolors that i've done um so if you're going to find something go there and and have a look at it and now, my final question for you, Zachary. What is in the future of TD Maps and Zachary? Yeah, I think um, there's a few things I definitely want to do more in the future. I want to get into adventure writing, um, small small modules. Uh, I don't I don't want to do anything big. I want to do things that are bite sized that you can pick up for any session uh, and go with. So you know, three to four page modules. That covers everything from from the DM tools and needs to start to finish, um, and so I think I think that's something that I definitely want to do. Um, I have started doing more digital arts, some doodling and drawing myself, um, doing it more digitally to see if I can maybe use that as a way to speed up my production, um, so I can even do my own kind of like you know monster art and stuff like that to go along with it. Um, yeah, in the future, definitely. Um, just a few more resources to go with the maps. So that way you get the maps plus some extras, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, NPCs and plot quests and, you know, those kind of things or just a small adventure um, or some, some drawings or something to go with it. Um, that's definitely something that I, in my kind of like short term, you know, wanting to do. Medium term, I want, I'm working on uh, logistics for getting stuff printed and I want to do a few conventions um because then i don't have imposter syndrome because i can actually be somewhere uh physically uh with 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 a product rather than just sitting here in the office um <laughs> um and and with that we'll have my own website and stuff like that uh done so that way i can offer in-person printed mounts but also um like basically like um like a voucher for for online maps and stuff that can be redeemed on my website and things like that um for, for 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 digital stuff and that's kind of the medium right that's the end of the year that that's that's my goal for kind of the end of this year and then longer term goals is the kind of like we talked about with you know maps that kind of all go together that can be put together for bigger projects 
um, and things of that nature, you know, um, even maybe small, smaller Kickstarter type things where do you get like a, you know, digital map art bundles and stuff like that just to get my toes wet, right? Just to kind of see what I can do. Not expecting to make lots of money, but just trying to get the experience, right? Because uh, again, if you don't put yourself out there, you don't get anything. So, um, yeah, I think that that's where I'm looking, right? And, and like I've said, my, my priority at the moment um, is my family and looking at the family during the days. And I do this on the evenings and the weekends. And it's, you know, getting myself set up for the next two, three years so that I can hit it hard then, you know? And, and so it's a it's slow grind, but I like it. I enjoy, I love it. I enjoy it. And I, I look forward to the community growing and doing more. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Geek Peak. Before I let you go, I want to thank the individuals who went the extra mile and became my patrons. So without further ado, thank you to Arthur Morrill, Bob Prescott, Lexi Gardner, Cody Neville, Charlie Fisher, Stote Dross, Laura Jane Hamilton, Maggie, Grace Bauer, Captain Casno, Tyler Felsted, Ella Lubell, Mendy Kennedy, Ross Simpson, Jacob Cook, Emma Rose D20 is my church, Patch Kelly, Sarah Kate Noel, and Zachary Tyndall. If you want to join them, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Oren Cohen, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.